Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Alexa, play The Rich Eisen Show. Here's a station you might like. <laughs> <laughs> this is The Rich Eisen Show. James ahead of the pack goes up. Oh, he lost control. And the crowd delights him out. Live from The Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. The narrative is about the Lakers and their adjustments. You know, you put that in your pipe, you smoke it. We're going to go up too well. Today's guests. From NBC News, host and author Luke Russert. From the new film, The Machine, comedian Burt Kreischer. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Yes, welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We're live on the air on the Roku channel, which is free on all Roku devices. Select Samsung, Smart TV, Amazon, Fire TV. You can check us out for free on the Roku app because the Roku channel's there. And then the RokuChannel.com if you want to use the old internet tubes to check us out every single day. We say hello on this Friday at noon Eastern and morning time here in Los Angeles, California. To all those listening on the terrestrial radio affiliate network that we've cobbled together for the Rich Eisen Show over the last few years. We say hello to everybody listening on Sirius XM Odyssey, our podcast later on. We even address those who aren't listening to us live because we respect you. Please hit that subscribe button on the Cumulus Podcast Network where all podcasts can be acquired. Our YouTube page is over 550,000 subscribers long and strong. We appreciate everybody who checks us out there in our Rich Eisen Show collection page once it's all over. Burt Kreischer is making his way to our studio uh, later on in hour number three. It's always a delight whenever Burt comes on this program. The He's, yes, The Machine is coming here and it's in theaters near you, The Machine. Uh, about Burt Kreischer's incredibly famous and viral story that he told on a stage once upon a time. He's coming here in hour number three. Just had a nice chat with Luke Ruskert, Luke Russert, who's in our green room right now, diehard Bills fan, and I, author of this new book called Look For Me There, uh, about his dad and grieving his father, um, Tim Russert's death, finding himself, and he'll be joining us here to talk a little bit of ball. Uh, and also joining us here on the program today with Chris Brockman, the actor, um, raising money for St. Jude Children's <laughs> Research Hospital uh, with uh, the actor Kevin, the actual actor Kevin Rahm at his tournament in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Sitting in in his chair today is my uh, lovely uh, bride, Susie Schuster. Good to see you here. Hi, I'm, I'm busy ordering donuts over here. Good to know. Normally, the half paying attention because you're on your phone thing is Mike Del Tufo's bailiwick over there. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that. Well, well, Jason Feller actually does Mike Del Tufo's work. Well, Jason hey, knows I only have one ear in this morning, so I can hear you and Fantastic. order donuts at the same time. Very good. So my multitasking uh, uh, compadre, Mrs. and uh, producer today, good to see you over there, Suze. 
TJ, the candle's already lit. Is candle's it lit. It's Friday. You know, I'm expecting go. some just great material today with Susie and Okay, now. here we go. So uh, let's get right to it. So um, the Denver Nuggets are good. Uh, they're really good. Yeah. They were the one seed in the West. And all year long, the narrative has been, yeah, well, let's see what happens when the playoffs hit. Uh, the narrative has been, uh, oh, okay, good to know you're number one. Good to know that you had the best record in the West, which is all season long been acknowledged as the deepest end of the NBA pool, but certainly more than the Eastern Conference, which was assumed to be just a three-team race between the Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics. And we all know the Heat are the closest team as we converse right now to the NBA Finals in the East as they are up one game to nothing in that conference finals going into tonight's game two. And so, um, so what was essentially the issue regular season for the Nuggets because the Grizzlies are the Grizzlies and we were all paying attention to them because Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks and John Morant was doing crazy things as we know. Kevin Durant acquired by the Suns. The defending champs of the Warriors, we were talking about what was wrong with them all season long and can they make the playoffs. And then you had the Lakers. Then you had your Clippers, TJ. Mm -hmm. Then you also had the Dallas Mavericks acquiring Kyrie Irving at the same time that the Suns are acquiring Kevin Durant. Nets breaking up and the West gets deeper and the Nuggets keep winning. And then they take a two games to none lead in this Western Conference Finals. First game, they blew out the Lakers in the first half and then held on for dear life. Mm -hmm. And we were all in the media discussing how the Lakers made some maneuvers in the second half that they could take into game two. And sure enough, game two, the Lakers had this thing in their back pocket, it felt like, yeah, with the way that they were playing, the way that they were playing defense, that even though the Nuggets were still making some transition baskets that you were kind of scratching your head like are, are the Lakers ever going to stop the ball in a transition moment for the Nuggets but the the Lakers took a double digit lead and it didn't seem like the Nuggets were showing up in the manner that we were accustomed to Jokic dominating and distributing and then everyone else making their threes the Nuggets were just um shooting everything but the lights out just seven threes in the first three quarters of this game. Jamal Murray, five of 17 from the floor in the first three quarters of this game. And then the fourth quarter hit. And then the Nuggets, as we have seen all season long, started making their threes. And the transition game was difficult to stop. And Murray was heat checking nonstop. One heat check shot after another, and then shots that he had to make or had to put up because there were just two seconds, three seconds left on the shot clock, and he's draining threes. And after making just seven threes in the first three quarters, the Nuggets made seven threes in the fourth quarter, led by Jamal Murray going six for seven in the fourth quarter, including four threes in a 15-1 run that just flipped the script and ended the game despite... Austin Reeves doing his best to put the scare back in the Nuggets who move on as a one seed should do two games to none as a one seed should do against a seven seeded team two games to none. And then the Nuggets have on top of their shooting and their two time MVP and their transition game and on occasion, you know, they can play some defense. <laughs> 
On top of all of that, what they have is a very rare breed in this sports world. Very, very rare breed in this sports world, which is a one seed with the best record in the best conference in a sport playing the they-don't-believe-in-us card. Also with the best player. Yeah. They are playing that card, the disrespect card. Now, I remember Brady did that once heading off to a Super Bowl. Nobody <laughs> believes in us. And they had six, he already had five <laughs> rings in his pocket. Right. Like when we're, and everyone's just like, tell me who doesn't believe in Tom Brady heading off to the Super Bowl. Like, which individual that fogs up a mirror on planet Earth believes that? And we're all like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> but this is a team that is playing the disrespect card. And Mike Malone let everybody know who is up two games to none, the head coach of the Nuggets, last night. You know, uh, you win game one of the playoffs, and all everybody talked about was the Lakers. Let's be honest. That was a national narrative was, hey, the Lakers are fine. They're down 1-0, but they figured something out. No one talked about Nikola just had a historic performance. He's got 13 triple-doubles now, third all-time. What he's doing is just incredible, but the narrative wasn't about the Nuggets. The narrative wasn't about Nikola. The narrative is about the Lakers and their adjustments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you put that in your pipe, you smoke it, and you come back, and you know what? We're going to go up 2-0. <laughs> Jamal Murray clearly picking up what the coach is putting down and buying what the coach is selling. This is what Murray had to say afterwards. Yeah, the outside noise, the outside noise. We're the Denver Nuggets. We're used to, we're used to that. We used to, even when we win, they talk about the other team. We beat the Clippers in the bubble, they talk about the other team. You know, same same. Same old, same old. It just fuels us a little more, and um, it'll be sweeter when we win the chip. Two things that I just want to say right here off of all this. Number one, the Nuggets are now as close as they've ever been to the NBA Finals. The last time that they were two wins away from the NBA Finals is when they were in the Western Conference Finals in the 2008-2009 season with George Carl, who I saw was at the game yeah. last night, against the Lakers. They lost that series in six after being tied at two apiece. And so it's been a while for the Nuggets. And then on top of it as well, this is the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. In the NFL, when the Dallas Cowboys lose a game that they should win, how many times do we talk about the Cowboys blowing it rather than the team that actually beat the Cowboys? I will say way pretty much often. every time. Yeah, way too often. Every time. So the Lakers clearly or the team everybody's talking about. LeBron James on... I, I, this is the obvious, though. Second thing is, I think we have something to do with this here on the Rich Eisen Show. If I'm not mistaken, uh, while I was out of commission, Susie, you were sitting in this chair ch chatting with our dear friend Lisa Salters. I was. Who, as we all know, is a sideline reporter for the, if you will, A-team for the worldwide leader in sports, Mike Breen and Van Gundy and... Mark Jackson and Lisa Salters. And she came on this show and you asked her about the game one performance by Jokic. One of the now two triple doubles he's had in the first two games of this conference championship. And as Malone pointed out, 13th triple double. I'm, an, I'm assuming when he says that it's the playoffs. playoffs yeah. yeah. So, um, and she said that uh, she was sleeping admittedly on Jokic. And that's the first time that she had seen him and when I heard that and I saw you were chatting with her, Suze, I knew what she meant. First time she'd seen him play in person. In person. Mm -hmm. And she's getting roasted right now. Oh, it's the lead team for the 
partner of the NBA that will bring you the NBA Finals again with Lisa Salters on the sideline again. And she's like sleeping on the two-time MVP because she's never seen him before. And it's like, that's not what she meant, people. It's not at all what she meant at all. And Suze, let me ask you this question. When you were doing sidelines for ABC, TNT, did you ever choose which game you were covering? Did they ever ask you? Were you ever asked by TNT or ABC or ESPN management hey, where Susie, you want to go? which playoff round do you want yeah. to be in or where you want to be? You know what you do? You get your tickets and research, and you get on a plane. This is not up to Lisa. This is so insane. And oh, by the way, because I've been friends with her for 25 years, she's always watching games. She's always working. Single mom, great kid Sam, works her tail off. Oh, yeah. We have no control over where we go. I mean, back off. Do you wonder, how many times do you think Tracy Wolfson at CBS has seen Trevor Lawrence play in person? Probably never. How many times do you think she's seen Justin Herbert play in person? A handful of times, maybe? Maybe? Maybe a couple? Because she was always, for years, watching Brady. Mm-hmm. And she right now, I mean, Jim Nance came on. Jim, we talked with Jim about it. We, we, Jim Nance came on last week, and he's saying that he and Romo and Tracy Wolfson may cover nine Chiefs games this year. Mm. Nine. And how many times do you think Aaron Andrews has seen Kyler Murray play live? How many times has Fox gone to Arizona or put the Cardinals in the late window when she was with Buck and Aikman and now with Burkhart and Olsen? How, how many, you know, do you see what you're picking up, what I'm putting down here? Yeah, yeah. Is that the, re, the, the Nuggets have not been part of the a game package. It's the it's a fact. And and yes, we as a nation are sleeping on Jokic. We have been. Now we talk we talk about him because he's won two yeah. MVP awards and we talked about him in the bubble because of how far they went against the Lakers before losing that. But let's not, you know, roast Lisa Salter for saying, you know what, I I've never seen him play live. And I'm sleeping on him, and friends of mine are calling me up saying, "See what you're, you know, what you're missing," because she's been at Warriors, Lakers, mm-hmm. Sixers, Celtics, couple Heat, maybe. I'm serious, maybe, maybe, you know, or Suns yeah. when Durant or last few years, Suns were a 60 win team a couple years ago. So let's not jump all over her, but. In this day and age when teams are playing the disrespect card. And I think Michael Malone was talking about what a lot of people did here here in, in, the, in, in the media, which is like, hey, you know, one game's to, to none. Lakers are down because we do view things through the Lakers prism for many reasons. And we were saying, because, you know, we're in the media and Luke Russert's about to join us, it's it, you know, sports is just like politics. It's horse race. You know, this is this going to be a blowout? Lakers going to get blown out? Well, no, I don't know. I mean, they figured some stuff out in that second half. And Rui Hachimura, remember we were talking about him yesterday? Mm-hmm. And he had an incredible game yeah, last night, which is a very passive-aggressive way of me reminding everybody I was right. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that in. But 
that's what we do. And guess what? Nuggets beat the Lakers. Nuggets beat the Heat slash Celtics. And guess where Lisa Salters and Mike Breen are going to be winding up at a lot? Denver. By the way, win, win it all. They'll be there a lot more. That's what I'm saying. They'll be there. Period. Yeah. But don't take it out on Lisa. Take it out on the ESPN scheduling if you have to. Well, I just but remember. Don't take it out on Lisa. I remember one year I was doing uh, the the um, which Super Bowl was it in in Tampa between Arizona and the Steelers, the one where you know Harrison Thanks, went off Harrison. all Matrix at the end of the yeah. first half, and uh, I just remember, you know, doing NFL Total Access live in Tampa on a Monday night day before media day, and we were welcoming in Adrian Wilson of the Cardinals, who is that hardened hit and safety of the NFC champion Cardinals and Ken Wisenhunt, the coach. Here they are coming up next. We show them walking up on the stage, going to break. And as soon as we go to break, Wisenhunt looks at me, goes, I heard what you said about us. I'm like, what? And Adrian Wilson was staring a hole through me. Literally, I felt it burning. And I looked at Ken, I'm like, what did you know? So of course, you know me, I'm, my mind is racing, yeah, yeah, like yeah. going through my last what three weeks say? of having a microphone <laughs> attached to my tie. I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell did I say about it? I said nothing about them, nothing denigrating about them, you know? And so I just said, you know, all right, coach, I'll bite. Like, what did I say? He goes, you said we were the worst playoff team in the history of the NFL playoffs. And I'm like, I never said anything like that. And then I realized, oh God, you know who said that on inside the NFL? Chris Collinsworth said it. And I said to him, Coach, Chris Collinsworth said it, not me. And I could have, you know, showed him my, as to date, zero Emmy Awards compared to Collinsworth at 19 million. <laughs> we could have also compared <laughs> bank accounts at the time, too, just to show I'm, I'm not Collinsworth, you know. But there was no convincing him. Oh, he still thought, because you told me that there story. There was but no convincing him. It wasn't. It... Because he was so locked in and his team was so locked in on buying the disrespect card. And he was playing it. Every single second. And it's rare to see a top-seeded team do that. But the Nuggets are doing it, and it's working. And if I'm alone, I'm like, I'm putting every terabyte of bulletin board material in front of my team. Keep it going. Keep it going. Let them listen to local radio here when they, as soon as they land. Let them see all the Laker flags in this town. It's like waving a red flag in front of a bull and they are up to nothing and they are putting it in a lot of pipes and smoking it right now because they smoked the Lakers last night when you thought this thing would be even coming back to L.A. Just the spec is real. That's it. So two things. One, I get it. Two, let's lay off Lisa. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that, to be honest. Oh, it's everywhere right now. And, you know, she hasn't seen him live and it's not her issue. Yeah, she's not picking up. Nobody. Nobody is more professional at sidelines than Lisa. Oh, she's, she's incredible. She's, you know, you know that. I know Unimpeachable. Let's take a break here. Luke Russert is here. Let's talk about his book. Let's talk Buffalo Bills. Burt Kreischer's coming in here. Shirt's on, everybody. Uh, as Burt walks in here in studio, hour number three, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. The Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL just finished five minutes ago. We'll talk about that on this program as well. Luke Russert coming up on the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. 
you know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. A beautiful book. Look for me there. Grieving my father, finding myself. Luke Russer, the author, is here on the Rich Eisen Show studio set in person here in Los Angeles, California. Good to see you again once. Uh, Thank you so much. Choose love. I see your, your bills t-shirt yeah they made here. these up after the terrible mass shooting last year and the team was so integral in the community so i continue to wear it about a, a, a year out from that event and it worked very well with damar hamlin and everything that happened to the bills especially with those blizzards last year so it was a difficult year the bills did the best they could i think this next season we're in a much more comfortable less stressful position well and, and the I, attention is on the jets then oh, I, no 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 don't no no <laughs> yes. we're not there's no reverse psychology we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that for a second because uh, i appreciate you you bringing that t-shirt here i mean you could have done whatever you wanted because right. uh, i didn't see you on uh, any of the rest of your uh, book tour wearing a you gotta dress the, you know dress for the role <laughs> here appreciate right? so did you pack that saying you know you're going to come out oh, here absolutely gonna be, oh yeah 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 i appreciate no, that special it. garb just absolutely. for here so um this book has been in the making since your father passed or no so i left nbc in 2016 and part of that was you've been gone that long i have been gone that long and i wanted to travel because i had felt unfulfilled there something mm -hmm. was amiss and i couldn't quite put my finger on it but the idea was okay let me just get out of this job for six months to a year and figure things out and mm -hmm. as i traveled i began to realize that there was two things that I was doing is that I was simultaneously looking for something, which was ultimately the acceptance of my father to not necessarily be like him. And then I was running away from something and that was processing the grief of losing my father. 
And I had never done that. He died in 2008. I went headstrong into the job at NBC, covered Capitol Hill for eight years, mm. working very long hours, enjoyed a lot of it. But at some point, I had this conversation with House Speaker John Boehner completely organically, and he goes, what are you doing here? People can be on the, in Capitol Hill for 40, 50, 60 years and never know anything else. You might be well served to get out of the Washington bubble a little bit. And so I did that. But when I started to travel, I realized, wow, I had never processed the grief of losing dad because if I ever did that, I thought I would lose him. I would have to confront that and he would be gone. And through this journey I took, which I write about, I come to realize, no, dad's always around, but it takes a long time to get there. What, do you, what did you mean by what you just said, that you would lose him? Like, what did, what, I think when you lose your, a, a, a father at 22 and you think about, oh gosh, if I have to process that, that my best friend, my guiding light is truly, really gone, mm -hmm. and I have to focus in on that, yeah. he might be gone forever in my mind. And it's a arrested development to a degree, because if you think about, oh gosh, 22-year-old um, Luke, if I move away from that kid, then dad is no longer around, in, it, literally. And it's interesting because when I started to then process that and, and wrestle with that, I come to realize, and I talk about this in the book, there's signs everywhere that your father's around. And then I would have conversations with people that said, you know, you can talk to your parents who are gone. You just have to put yourself into that meditative state and listen. Mm -hmm. And I started to do that. And I go, yeah, he is here. He is around. And it was, uh, it was very heartwarming and moving, but it wasn't easy. And one of the m most incredible things is, since this book has been out now the last few weeks, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. Some people in their 70s mm -hmm. that have said, you know, Luke, I lost my father and my mom 50 years ago. And I read this book and I'm now beginning to understand sort of why I was acting the way I was acting. Um, I'm not a psychologist or anything. I just sort of wrote my experience. Yes. But it's, it's a common one. It's a common thread we have. Well, I lost my dad at age 50. Yeah. And, you know, after he passed and I said something about it here from this chair into this microphone, I heard from everybody that mm -hmm. and and as you were just alluding to there is a whole host of a community that yeah. i had no idea that existed susie entered that community about a year and a half ago lost her father and it it's it's it was kind of like i got i got welcomed to a club that nobody wants to be yeah. a part of it's a sad club yeah but it is also a beautiful thing to hear from people that you know it's going to be okay and you know you wrestling with the way that you did do you think you would have ever come to grips in the manner in which you are currently you know coming to grips had you stayed in washington no, dc and i think what you know the the tweet you have pinned at the top of your profile about your dad mm. is so heartwarming oh. and in that tweet you go to a place of vulnerability and you show emotion and I had never done that for a long time. I had sort of stored and ignored for a very long time. And mm -hmm. when I began to travel, I became comfortable in uncertainty. And those anxieties that I had pertaining to losing my father to a heart attack, you know, sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night pulsating, being like, I'm going to die of a heart attack just like dad. This mm -hmm. is awful. This is terrible. But once I started to travel and I became more comfortable, especially in my own skin, I began to be able to listen to the voice in my own head and process things I never had which had I stayed in that job, I never would have done that because I would have done two things. I would have tried to live up to my father's legacy every single day, which is the duty that you have to do this for dad. And the other thing is I wouldn't have paid attention to my own self and my own, my own health, my own needs, et cetera. 
So it was uh, it was deeply impactful to do that. But it's not easy because I think your a natural inclination is you want to be there for your family. You want to be there for others. And in my case, I realized that going on television that I brought a light for a lot of folks. You know, people would turn it on and go, oh, you know, we see Tim living on through Luke. And I like to do that. I want to make wanted to make people feel comfortable. But at the end of the day, it was it was hard to hold on. Is there any part in your travels? Luke Russert here. Look for me there. Grieving my father, finding myself a bestseller currently on the New York Times bestseller list right here in the Rich Eisen show. Is there a place in your travel specifically where you first spotted the corner to turn? Yeah, there's there's two that are very important. So I'll tell you the story. My father passed away at our fun- at the funeral service when people were processing out of the public memorial at the Kennedy Center. We played uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow because that was one of his favorite songs. It's my dad so, to my dad. Is it? Uh, it's a beautiful song. So oh as people were processing out, there is this beautiful rainbow in D.C. And that was dad saying hi. And so I've always had an affinity for rainbows. I was going through a difficult time in New Zealand because it was Valentine's Day. And oddly enough, Valentine's Day was a big moment with my father and I, which sounds weird. I'll explain why. I was a chubby kid (laughs) and I was a chubby kid. And my dad was worried that I wouldn't get any Valentines from the girls because I was kind of big when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And he would send me, you know, like a Britney Spears poster with like, you know, know, baby, I love you, you know, (laughs) happy Valentine's Day. And send me my favorite, which were Twix bars. And... It was Valentine's Day in New Zealand. I was going through a difficult time. Like, why am I traveling? What am I doing? And this rainbow appears out of nowhere. And I go, okay, that's dad saying this is what you should be doing. And then the 10th anniversary of his passing, there was a lot of remembrances on NBC and other networks. They asked me to be a part of them. I didn't want to do it. I was in a place of, I'm just trying to not engage with this right now. And I was in Iceland and I was walking um, by this beautiful waterfall and there's the rainbow. And I bawled my eyes out with that one because it was the 10th anniversary, the day of his passing and the rainbow was there and I was in a tough place and it was saying hi. So there's signs like that. You know, people might say it's crazy. I believe it. And it's very comforting. It's very comforting. And the significance of the title. So nine years old, Oriole park at Camden yards. We had season tickets. It's a hot mid Atlantic. It's humid summer day. We're walking through the concourse and he's holding my hand and there's just this crush of people and we get separated and I fall back with the crowd and he's moving up ahead. He realizes what's happened. He turns back around and he comes running towards me, holds me in and he goes, Hey, forever separated. Just look for me there. And he points at a hot dog stand with the old school Oriole logo bird. And then he pulls me in closer. He goes, but we'll never be separated. And I just, just, that, that was so and he would say, look for me there. You know, he would pick me up from a concert. Look for me there. Pre-cell phone era. Yeah. Um, the airport when I would come back from college. Look for me there. And the coffee shop at the D.C. airport is still there. And every time I walk by it, oof, tear up. That's a tough one. But do you look for him? But there? I look for him there. And I swear I see the silhouette. You know, it's, it's all there. I can, I can close my eyes and I see, you know, hunched over. Hey, buddy. You know, it's wild. Another place you could look for him is every single time you watch the Buffalo Bills. It's too, the huh? best. And I, I tell people is that people say, oh, sports, that doesn't matter. You know what? They do matter for so many people. And for me, those three and a half hours when the Bills play on Sunday, he's alive again for me. I hear the cursing. I hear the, <laughs> I hear the, oh my God, the smell of chicken wings, the smell of light beer. It's just, it brings me back to some of the happiest moments of my childhood. And 
I, I dated a woman a number of years ago, and she said to me, I can't believe it. you're so obsessive about football and these Buffalo Bills. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. We should go out and do something on Sunday. I said, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, this is the most important time of the week for me. Uh, and you, people got to understand that. I mean, it, it keeps the flame alive. And so many people have that bond through sports with their, with their, uh, with, with their family. And, you know, it's been fascinating, Rich, mm -hmm. is after my dad passed, my mom moved into the role of, I want to go to the games. She, and, and she loves it. And oh, it's really? so great to have. And so That's she great. likes base, baseball the most. So when the Nationals made the World Series, she goes, I'm coming. I said, yes, Mom. And she sits right up there and has a beer and a hot dog. And it's, it's really neat to see. I love that. Yeah. I love it. And, you know, uh, Luke Russert here on the Rich Eisen Show, I think all the time, um, so does Susie as well, because we, we knew him many, many years ago uh, together and what he meant for us as well, because we met on at ESPN. Stuart Scott, oh. every single time there's a big sporting event, um, I think, what would he think? Yeah. So what what would your dad think about Josh Allen? Oh, boy. Well, the first thing that he would probably say is, please get down more. <laughs> Don't take those hits. <laughs> because he was, you know, one of the things, unfortunately, about being a Bills fan is that you're prepped for the worst case scenario all the time. <laughs> Uh, the forward lateral in Tennessee in 1999. We, my father did not. He did not cheer when we kicked the field goal to go up. He did not cheer. He goes, "There's still time. There's still time." And that's why in, in the 13 seconds happened. All these people are texting me, "Congratulations, Josh Allen's great." I go, "It's not over. It's not over. It's not over." And it wasn't over. So the first thing he would say is, "Josh, please get down and don't get hurt." Second thing though is, "Thank you for ingratiating yourself into the community the way you've done." I mean, Josh Allen is such a proud son of Buffalo now. He understands it. Mm. He gets the, the the bond with community. He does. And he rises to that occasion and he embraces it. And if you do that in Buffalo, you'll be loved for you know generations. Jim Kelly didn't want to come to Buffalo originally. He's now lived there his entire retirement. Thurman Thomas lives there. They are part of the community. And uh, they love it there and the community loves them back. You are aware, though that what you referred to as the forward lateral is called the Music City Mirror. No, it's a forward lateral. It's been scientifically <laughs> proven that it was a forward lateral. The University of Rochester released a study that showed it was a forward lateral. What do you, what do you, I haven't, I have not seen this paperwork. Uh, um, it's absolutely the best science that's out there. I can, I can promise you, we'll, we'll, we'll dig it up for you. They scientifically oh. If you look at, so Frank Wycheck asked me on his radio show and I said, Frank, I'd love to do it. You just have to admit that was a forward lateral. And he goes, no. I said, okay, well, I'm not going to come on. <laughs> I'm, the same way with, I'm the same way with busting with the boys about the motor in their bus. But, I mean, uh, but that's what, so it's a forward lateral. If you look at it, it's forward lateral. They wouldn't call it. If you go back and watch, the, watch it live, the yeah. band doesn't play when, the, when they score the touchdown because they're like, oh, this, that, that didn't look legal. You know, but that's so. Wait a minute. You said scientific. You're saying there's so the, a, the there, if you look at, I believe I have to find this for you. Yes. But there is a study that showed the trajectory of the ball is actually a forward lateral. And I think if you look at the tape, it it's you it can be proved. You know, indisputable evidence. That's up for people to decide. But looking back on it, at the today's technology. I think it's a forward lateral. You know how New Englanders refer to the tuck rule game as the <laughs> snow game. Yeah. You know, like they don't refer to the tuck rule game like the rest of everyone on the planet. So you're uh, referring to it as a forward lateral it game. It is. It is. Yes. I respect it. Thank you. We also call that game a win. 
Yeah. Whatever. What started it, it all back? back. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it did. And you've had, you know, Charles Woodson talks about that game. Yes, he does. Uh, quite a lot. And yes, he does. Uh, Meeting of t- two Michigan goats. I'm about to say, I'm about to say, and, and yeah, I think uh, he, uh, he's not over that. Or should he be? No. I no. mean, it was a, it was a great uh, recent conver- uh, documentary on mm-hmm. that between the, with the two of them talking yeah. about it. Indeed. Uh, Luke Russert here on the Rich Eisen Show. Look for me there, grieving my father, finding myself. Before I let you go, what else, what would your father think about the current political climate? Oh, he'd be he'd be sad. Um, one of the things that he really practiced was civility, and he felt that if you were civil, then uh, people would trust you mm-hmm. and honor your objectivity. And one of the things that's so sad now is this politics has moved into memes and name calling and vitriol, and there's sort of this idea of not really having civic participation and engagement, but more sort of how can we bully the other side? And and that doesn't work. I mean, part of uh, what a democracy is, is an experiment. I mean, it's still a really young form of government if you look over the, the, the um, generations of, of the world and how things are put together. And for democracy to work, you have to have active civic participation. And people are just so turned off by it now. And I think that's something we don't talk enough about is that it's gotten to the point where people just, oh, turn it off. I can't handle it. And... That's not good because the people who you're turning off that you can't handle are ones that are making very important decisions about your future. And you're seeing now, I think, uh, the beginning of less qualified candidates because so many people don't want to get involved. Like my generation, they're looking at it. Why would I do that? I mean, my family gets thrown through the mud like that. And that would upset my father a lot because he really did believe in the American dream and the American experience. And, you know, politics is what got a kid from South Buffalo up to becoming moderator, meet the press. So it'd be sad for him. Well, what your dad also stood for was accountability. Yeah. You know, and 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 so the media has an issue, uh, has a, a role to play in everything else that's going mm-hmm. on in this world today uh, as well. I mean, I don't know if you watch the show Succession or not. Yeah. I mean, but spoiler alert, the last episode was about how media can actually affect an election and how mm-hmm. and how things are playing out in our current political world and, and media and how, you know, I... I I find it very difficult to watch political interviews with political figures because many in the media will ask the tough question once and have zero follow-up questions because potentially, most of the time, they are not armed with information to push back and that there is cynicism that continues to get uh, entrenched because there's no pushback from the media. And the one person who does it like your dad used to do is John Stewart. Yeah. Where he's armed with tons of information on the spot, off the top of his head, in note form. Like your dad on Meet the Press always used to have something to push back on and then not drop it just after one one follow up either. When my father took the job in nineteen ninety one, he reached out to one of the original moderators, a guy named Lawrence Spivak, who at that time was in his late eighties. Mm-hmm. And he said, What do I do? And Spivak goes, learn as much as you can about the person you're interviewing and then take the other side. And my father was trained as a lawyer and he would do a prosecutorial real uh, move into this is what you said back then. Why did you change your position and go forward and put it up on and the screen. put it up on the screen? The one thing that drives me crazy and I like to play media critic, but this is something where there needs to be improvement on is the format. My father had 24 minute segments, 31 minute segments where it was get in the ring one on one. I'm going to, I, I might ask you the same question for 15 minutes because you're not going to get an answer, but yeah. the viewer benefits from that by seeing how you're dodging and weaving. And one of the things that politicians have been very good at now 
is they run out the clock. They can have all this bluster and bravado. They don't answer the question. They'll talk about the weather, et cetera, and they run out the clock. And then the interviewer isn't armed with the facts, moves on to the next question and gets bulldozed. Go back to a format where it's 24 minutes, 31 minutes, one-on-one, and have that. And if you don't want to do that, then don't, don't get in the ring. And honestly, a lot of politicians will still get in the ring because they want the airtime and they want the opportunity. Top ones might not, but that's okay. Then they can show that they're weak. You know, you got to, you got to, it's a little bit like boxing in that way. You're right. It, it, it's a format question too. The number of times mm-hmm. that I'm listening to an interview and, and I'm like, well, there, there's going to be some pushback here. And then you hear the anchor say, we're going to have to leave it there. It's crazy. You know, and then they move on to some, you know, panda getting born in some <laughs> zoo somewhere. And it's just like, what is happening? Um, you know, but uh, I'll be honest, sports is like that too. It is. I, I learned but, a long time ago, by the way, just real quick. Yeah. Al Davis would only be interviewed live. Many times, Costas told me this once, I think, because he knew that you only had 10 minutes. Yeah. And if he gave an answer that was seven minutes long to start. It's brilliant. He knew it. I write in my book, one of the reasons why I left NBC is I was kind of on the fence, but I had done this report in in Congress about veterans issues and veterans affairs. I was very happy to to put out there and it got bumped by Donald Trump's reaction to the death of Harambe the gorilla. And that was my <laughs> that was it. time to go. That was when you We're tapped good. out. We're good. That's when you saw triple zeros on the <laughs> that clock. That was it. <laughs> Harambe, everybody. R.I.P. Uh, look for me there. Grieving my father. Finding myself by Luke Russert. Beautiful book. I cannot. And I appreciate you inscribing it right well, here. Well, thank you for opening up this space, honestly, which you did regarding your father and remembering him in such a vulnerable, open way. It was deeply impactful and inspiring to me. No so kidding. Thank you. It was. I, it was. I am... Uh, Touched by that. And my dad loved uh, Somewhere Over yeah. the Rainbow as well. Because ah, he, he loved Judy Garland. And again, uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for my brother loving sports, this show would have been about show tunes. You know, which is all We're good. all happy for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Look for me there. Grieving My Father, Finding Myself by Luke Russert. Right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Don't you dare move. More phone calls and so much more. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. And just like uh, Tim would say, right? Go Bills. Go Bills. boy. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
just a delightful chat with Luke Russick right there yeah. uh, here on the on the program. It started to get to me a little bit, man. Well, I mean, it's real life stuff. It's it's uh, real emotions, and you know, and I I think that's pretty cool that he said his dad would say to Josh Allen, "Get down," <laughs> and appreciate we, we you kind of feel that way. getting down with the community. Mm-hmm. He isn't. He is. That's it. Yeah. They found his guy. They found the Bills guy. After searching for the next Jim Kelly forever, they found him. You know, and Susie, as you know, you were looking for your first Brady and you got him. Everybody thought it was Bledsoe and then it turned out to be Brady in the same way that on a draft day six years ago, last month, the Chiefs got their guy. And Henry Winkler got his guy, and everybody in Chiefs Kingdom, their lives are completely changed. And last month, you got your guy, you know. Who's that? You know, your, your new name is. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> but when you put that picture up, or when Mike put that picture up of Tim Russert wearing the Bills jersey, yeah. you just wanted him to see Josh Allen so badly. I know, right? Like, that's, the, that's, that's why sports does matter. And I think when he said that people say sports doesn't matter, that's kind of like a beltway thing right there. Obviously, when you're trying to deal with real-life issues and life-and-death issues, that sports is, the, is the, the toy department. But it really does bring a bunch of people together. So, you know, tonight when, um, you know, the Celtics take on the Heat – um, there'll be a whole bunch of people that walk into that arena tonight that I'm sure if politics was a conversation, it would be on and cracking. Yeah. But everybody there, politics aside, rooting for the same team. Yeah, united. You know, and um, that's why, you know, every now and then I I wish that, uh, you know, people in this country root for the same team and we're all on the same team. But I know that that sounds like a complete pie in the sky. Yeah, it's Real life stuff going on. But, you know, the things he said about his dad and having, you know, those those connective tissue, as you say, you know, it's kind of like my thing with wrestling, because as I said before, that with was your grandfather, me and my grandpa, you know, and I always feel like, you know, if I ever stopped watching wrestling, then I would lose that. And I, I can't lose that. I can't lose what he and I had. And that's why I got a little like emotional listening to him that because that was on my mind. That's why I could never stop watching because. If I lose that, yeah. I feel like I'll lose him. And right, but you, but your grandfather's there every day, literally, and, you know, what you do and how you say, you know, and, and the same thing with me, you know. Coming down to work every single day, I, I pass by the uh, cemetery in which he's interred, yeah. and I think about him every day, and, you know, I just go about my business every day in the manner in which I think I would make him proud. I don't have the sports connection with him. Again, my brother... Um, the one who texted me I was wrong about the Pat Riley quote in the <laughs> opener of last yesterday's show. And by the way, once again, he was right. He was. Um, you know, he's the one in the, the family that got me into sports. My, my sports conversations <laughs> with my dad was stuff like, you know, after I did Sports Center and you would watch it in the morning and I would wake up and we would have a conversation, he'd be say, how do you say Mitch Richmond so fast? <laughs> I remember you told me that. You know, like, that's the conversations we would have. Or, do you know, uh, the plumber came over today and, boy, he's a big fan of yours, so I gave him a card, you know, one of those sports cards of mine that Rich's was made dad by Tops. would always have Rich's baseball cards in his wallet. Yeah. And he'd hand them out whether you wanted them or not. Here, you want a, you want a baseball well, card of my son? But only if uh, they were card, deemed card-worthy. That's right, card-worthy. Hmm. Yeah, you just didn't give him any jabroni on the no. street. Right? 
Did, but I'm sure you went to Fenway Park with your dad. Like you oh, my God. Those... My, my brother sits in my dad's ticket still right behind um, third base, right behind the dugout. I grew up there. Are you kidding? Peanuts. Why do you think I eat peanuts all the time at Sherman Oaks Little League? Right. I sat there with my dad, and he'd shell peanuts. You throw them on the floor and everything? On the floor. I mean, that's what you do at Fenway Park. <laughs> yeah. So we all have that. But by the way, I got it. so emotional when he was talking about looking for his dad and, the, and he got lost, and his dad said, I'll get over there. I'll be right there. Or what was it? Um, look for me there. Look for me there. No, and as he said, I it, got so teary. Yeah. That was so emotional. Now, obviously, with cell phones and gab watches and gab things watches. like that, you know, it's just like, you know, call him up. I called Taylor across the playground yesterday. There you I go. couldn't find her at the playground. <laughs> 21st century. I mean, forget it. <laughs> 21st century. Look for me there. There's. I remember my dad, We he... he he drove me to my first concert uh, in Nassau Coliseum from Staten Island as the crow flies. That's uh, a lot a lot shorter than the actual drive across multiple bridges and, and rivers and and um, and whatnot. Uh, I just remember he this was he it would be meet me here at after the concert. When do you think the concert's ending? I'm like, I have no idea. And I still, you know, to this day, don't know. I, you know, I would have asked him if obviously he was still around. Like, what did you do that night? You know, this is before cell phones. You know, now we would just sit in our car, you know, on, you know, yeah. doing Wordle or whatever, making <laughs> calls and just catching up. I don't know what the hell he did. Driving around. He might around. have read a book, Rich. That's possible. I mean, a book. It, it's, that's what the, is that? That's the piece of paper. Yes. There's like a 300 pages. And it's bound. And there are letters on it. Yes. <laughs> that's a book. It's a book. That's Very a book. good. All right. <laughs> Um, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We may or may not be having a surprise guest calling in in about six minutes' time. I do not know. We've been cultivating this caper for a few weeks. I mean, a few days, all week long. We'll see if this happens. If not, Bert Kreischer's coming in. We've got lots to talk about. A huge game one in the Eastern Conference Finals um, in the NHL last night. A game that uh, just ended between the Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. James Harden, apparently, uh, there is some thoughts about him and his future to hit on that. 